How's it going, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You're listening to episode 81. I think this is the first one I opened up for a long-ass time, but it is a special one because, as always, I am with my co-host, Evan, but we have a guest, a reincurring guest, uh, first one in a while, my brother, Zach. Yeah, what's going on, Zach? How you doing? I'm not dead. Hello. Yeah, you're still killing the game. Um, we just got back from a round of golf out there. Like Zach said before we started the recording, a uh, mediocre round. There was like good moments and bad, but more bad than good. But that's <laughs> usually how a golf round goes. Um, yeah, I guess getting into the overview of the episode, obviously the Euros are going on. There's been a lot of great matchups so far, a lot of surprising ones. But we are going to go group by group from A to F, the six groups breaking down uh each game what we saw what we liked maybe some things we predicted or things that we did not um but is there anything you guys want to add before we get dive into it no i'm ready to rock let's go all right so um group a opened up play with italy beating turkey three nil um a lot of people had turkey um, finishing in second in their breakdowns for predictions, but both of us, I think, had them finishing last, dead right? last. Yeah, and so far, zero goals for five against. Um, I mean, I would love to say I'm proud to have predicted that because that's one thing I can say I did good, rather than a lot of the other stuff that we obviously did not predict. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple good players on Turkey. You have your boy uh, Yokushlu. Remember at the beginning or like the middle of the season, you said that that guy was an absolute demon. Yeah. Um, and then you have like you know guys that are getting regular reps in the Prem. Soyuncu being one of them. Kalinoglu mm-hmm. obviously plays in Syria, but this Italian team has so much more quality. You're you're getting a yeah. solid performance from Immobile and Insigne every time you put them in. Guys like Locatelli have become. You know, heroes really. He scored two uh, in in another game. We'll talk about, but uh, Immobile and Insigne both scoring uh, in this one, and then Demiral putting one. Um, th- this is actually the one that opened the scoring. He put one into his own net, and Turkey really mm-hmm. just didn't ever get into this game. It looked like Italy came out firing. They were ready to go. This game was in Rome, so um, I-, I think this kind of went how we all would have expected it to go. Did did you guys have anything to say about you know individual player performances? I thought Immobile was good. What do you think, Zach? I think Turkey sucks. Yeah, they do. They suck. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I mean the the following game when they played Wales, Gareth Bale picked him apart like he was De Bruyne. He was playing through balls perfectly, and Aaron Ramsey was doing great runs in behind. The midfield was just not tracking him down, and eventually he did get on the score sheet which is never a good sign because they'll curse that somebody dies the next day, but there were no headlines after that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Wales are doing well. I think, Evan, you predicted them to finish second, and so far you're spot on. It yeah. just all depends on how they do against Italy in that last group stage match. But um, Gareth Bale's been pretty much holding the brunt of the weight for Wales this tournament like he should be. Um, Dan James is playing a good role. Aaron Ramsey's doing okay. Um now that Joe Allen's back in the main media, he's having transfer rumors to Premier League teams, which doesn't make sense. But yeah, I mean, Switzerland, the other team in the group, has done a mediocre job. Jaka with the bleach blonde hair is just not working for him. He needs to go uh, away permanently. <laughs> yeah, Switzerland are just looking like an average team that are just scraping to get by and 
it was it showed in the their first match against Wales the one one draw they they had the game with the opening goal and then the following ten to fifteen minutes they just like a lot of teams do they played conservatively um I mean their next match is a must win against Turkey right yeah for sure um I just don't. I, and I don't see Turkey like really competing for anything here. Um, they're going to yeah. be one of those teams that just gets knocked out. We do have the expansion of the tournament, um, so you're going to see some third-place teams go through, but I just don't see Turkey being one of those teams, and um, I'm, I'm excited to not have to watch them anymore because they just haven't com- competed so far. Yeah. Zach, do you see anybody getting—do you see three teams getting out of this group to the knockout stage? Um, if Switzerland loses— or if it's Switzerland and Turkey lose again, probably not. Yeah. Well, the thing it's is, gonna they be... play each other. That they're the last match, oh, so I, I would think if Switzerland wins that game, they're in because uh, I think we were saying in the car ride to golf earlier. I think four points is guaranteed to move on. Yeah. Yeah. So you may see Switzerland come through, but um, that's on the goal difference. They're both negative. Yeah, right, but... that's true. Yeah, but if it stays this way, Evan predicted it perfectly, which is a good start to there. We love that. Uh, moving on, Group B, um, pretty much going how we thought. Well, I shouldn't say that because this is the group. Uh, we got Belgium leading the way, uh, six points. Everybody predicted that. They're moving on clearly. De Bruyne put on an absolute show in their most recent match against Denmark. Yep. Um, Russia and Finland both tied for, thir- for uh, second with three points. Um, Hold on, I gotta, I gotta interrupt you here. Group B is not going how we thought it would. Somebody fucking died in the first game. Uh, that's why I said. That's why I was getting to there. I was just saying. Like, <laughs> he literally was, going... was dead. Yeah, I guess that was what we should open with the whole <laughs> Ericsson moment. That yeah. was. Yeah. I know you were live tweeting it. It was one of the scariest moments uh, in sports. Yeah. For the longest time, just the 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 way it happened. It was just out of nowhere. Uh, a man, twenty nine years old, physically fit, prime prime peak of his life. There, mm-hmm. physically, just having a cardiac arrest on the field is a very scary thing because it puts it into perspective that it could happen to anybody. Yeah. Um. So the good thing is today, as of today, June eighteenth, he was discharged from the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already met with his team, and it seems that he'll be able to move on and live a normal life again. Hopefully, he can get back into the gym within the coming weeks and kind of work his way back into match fitness for the club season in the in the end of the summer. Yeah, I mean, it was truly one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen happen live on television. I've seen some heinous shit. I mean, we've all been on Rotten.com and LiveLeak. I've seen people be beheaded, but that shit, man. Like, uh, just just watching somebody that you've grown up playing with when when you know you don't know there's something like that coming it is a it's it's a harrowing harrowing experience and it was awful i mean when when i saw them start to do chest compressions and you saw um Simone Kier, uh like reach into his mouth to make sure that he didn't swallow his tongue um things things were truly put into perspective and you saw you saw the team gather around him to shield him from the the prying cameras it was extremely challenging to watch a moment that will stick with not only me but but a ton of you know not even soccer fans just sports fans in general um the world watches when the euros are on even even countries that that aren't competing obviously you have america 
um, huge viewership numbers, and I didn't see a single person that wasn't absolutely appalled and shocked at the way that it was covered and, and you know, everything that was going on on the pitch. So it's, it's really nice to hear that uh, Erickson is recovering, and he, he did get released today. We saw that. Um, I'm hoping... Uh, to be honest with you, I hope he just he he takes his bag and and retires because what 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 happened on that pitch and I bet you there's a good chance that he will. Um, with with heart conditions like that, you never know when that shit could crop back up, and you never know if you have one in the first place. Doesn't matter how how good of of health you are, um, the heart essentially runs on electricity, and if you have a short, it can kill you. So um, we'll we'll have to see i i would not be shocked if erickson never plays a moment ever again what do you think about that zach what do you think his next move should be uh, well the event as a whole you know something significant happened if american media is talking about soccer yeah exactly so uh it's pretty big i don't know i thought It'd be it pretty was pretty sad if he retires yeah i mean he's 29 i think he's got a couple more years in him because they were saying daily blend had the same procedure himself. Yeah, he did, actually. I remember He's that. still carrying on with his career, but it, it depends individual to individual. But I thought it was interesting, the, the Danish coach coming out and saying uh, post-match after they finished the game later that day that they couldn't postpone that game due to a cardiac arrest on the field from a player, but a COVID, COVID protocol can easily move something behind it, like how that. Ob- how obscene is that? How ridiculous is that? Yeah, I saw just, the same thing. I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? Someone was dead there. Yeah, it just doesn't fit the narrative and it's along the it's along the same lines with the racial abuse, that type of thing. Just it does not fit that particular narrative, so they're not going to follow through with the proper protocol. But I mean, the the good the, at the end of the day, it worked out because he's alive, he's yeah. okay. It could have turned totally bad. He could have like you said, he could have literally died on that field and yeah. Everybody would have been absolutely just scarred for the rest of their lives. Literally they scarred. Been. Yeah, scarred. So, but, I mean, it hasn't turned out their way following that. They obviously lost that match to um, Finland, 1-0, shockingly. And then, um, obviously, against Belgium. They had the lead, second minute, which I'll bring up with Belgium going forward. Their their defense, if they're, they play in the knockout round, if they eventually play Italy, which they could be, uh, in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals, a team that is much better at the press and has a lot more explosive players going forward, um, their defenders in Belgium cannot pass out of the back. And they it, it showed with Poulsen in the second minute getting a steal um, from Denaire and then just a nice slot in. They could get buried 2-3-0 from those mistakes, and they need to be really careful moving forward. Yeah, that's the truth. But uh, it's anybody's game finishing in second right now with Russia and Finland tied on points. And I believe Finland plays Belgium last, right? And then Russia, Denmark? Yes. I mean, there, there, still, there still is a case where Denmark can finish second. Yeah, this was a much... This is a tighter group than I thought... Um... Than I thought it it would originally be. So, uh, I'm there's a couple of different scenarios that could pan out here. So I'll, I'm I'm interested to see um, how it pans out. I think the big the St. Petersburg um, home advantage thing is big for Russia, but we'll see. Yeah, we didn't even mention that with Group A with Italy having two home matches in Italy, like mm-hmm. and England as well. Like yeah, those are very huge. big advantages, especially with like twenty thousand people at the game. Um. 
Moving on to Group C with another group that's very it's been very interesting to watch. Uh, we have Netherlands on six points; they are automatically through now. Uh, Ukraine putting in good performances on three. Mm-hmm. Austria as well three, and then North Macedonia finishing where everybody thought. Um, they have been scoring. Yeah, yeah Panda. Yeah, he's their goat. Um, mm-hmm. But their game, like I said earlier, um, before the recording, you, the Ukraine North Macedonia match was awesome to watch. Uh, both goalkeepers making incredible saves, um, questionable VAR decisions, and I mean, ultimately, Yarmolenko's been coming out of his shell. That guy has been on form. Yeah, he uh, has falling out of ranks in West Ham, mm-hmm. and then Austria. Austria's kind of. On the on the teeter totter, uh, Arnautovic got a one match ban because of his celebration against, I think, Austria. Yep. Or I mean, uh, Ukraine, right? Yep. I'm fucking your Albanian mother. Yep, that's what he said. Bit big. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yep. That's always big. Always good for xenophobia. Just pop it out there. Fuck it. So he's gonna miss their last match and. Uh, Alaba's put in some good performances, but also there was one moment, I think it was off a throw-in, he let the ball bounce, surprisingly, and then the other team went the other way and scored. I think that was when they played Netherlands. Yeah. Um, but Netherlands have also been good going forward. I thought they've been having great passing sequences involving all the players. Dumfries getting on the score sheet. It's always nice getting your fullbacks involved, but um, this is a pretty standard way how we thought it was going to go. Is there anything else that you guys saw that stuck out? Not really. I mean, you've you've pretty much covered the bases. Um, in this group, that Netherlands Ukraine game, the three two barn burner, probably yeah. probably the best uh, game so far for me. That was a couple couple days ago now. So entertaining. Um, like you said, Yarmolenko has has really kind of like made this resurgence in the past couple of days. It's it's been really interesting to watch. Um, but Wijnaldum, you know, good performance from him in that game. And then you had a couple of the, the, the other guys, Weghorst scored, and then Dumfries. Um, Dumfries has been really solid, scored in both of the Netherlands matches so far. They played again yesterday. Um, he was the one to score the second to Depay's first. And the Netherlands look better than I, than I thought they would. Um, we were a little bit worried about them. And they do have, you know, some issues defensively. I think having Timber and Blind isn't necessarily the best uh, yeah. backline that you could have. Of course, you could have VVD if he was healthy. Mm, yeah. But that midfield and the way that Depay and Weghorst play together has been really solid. Darun Wijnaldum and obviously Frankie de Jong, great players, all three of them. Um, and Weghorst and Depay have been putting in some pretty solid shifts. So it was good to see Netherlands beat the Ukraine. Um, but I think Ukraine certainly, um, you know, they're not done yet. They definitely, they definitely have some life. Well, it's all going to come down to that last matchup against Austria to decide who finishes second. So, yeah, who who would you say is your favorite in that matchup, Zach? Uh, is Yarmolenko healthy? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got good. he's got yeah. two. He's got a goal in each game so far. Well, if he's healthy, I think Yarmolenko carries them to the win. I think yeah, that's you, fair. Yeah, Ukraine can definitely secure an upset here and potentially knock Austria out of the tournament, which would be a little surprising in the group. But yeah. um, anything can happen in these Euros, obviously. True. Uh, I mean, we saw in the last Euros, Wales got to the semifinals. So nope. anything is possible. All right, moving on to Group D, which uh, has to the Czech Republic. As of right now, their match just finished. They drew Croatia 
<laughs> excuse me, one to one. They sit on top with four points, uh, leaving England in second with their one nil win over Croatia. Uh, and their match starts in about 20 minutes against Scotland, which should be very interesting because I think if Scotland if Scotland could get a point out of this game, they can really set themselves up for um, a great matchup against Croatia in the last match day to send them into the knockout round. But I mean, obviously England are a huge favorite in this, right? Like, I don't really see what options Scotland has going forward. So. Here, here's what I'll tell you. I, I saw an interesting stat this morning. In all international meetings, there have been 89. England have won 47. Scotland have 40. And there's been two draws. Oh, wow. That's unreal. That Big is blood. so shocking to me. So yeah, it was always an outright winner. Yeah, so I, I could certainly see, you know, an upset coming or an upset possible I think it's a little different now because England obviously has one of, the, if not the best, um, talented teams in the tournament. You're seeing the, the sort of performances they're getting out of their young players. Bellingham looked great in the first game. Uh, Foden looked fantastic as well. Obviously, almost scored in that first game. And you're getting you're getting performances out of older guys. Sterling being one of them. Um, he was the one that lifted them over Croatia, who they were eliminated by in the semifinals of the uh, 2018 World Cup. So you're getting you're getting play from all of these different guys. You have a pretty team, pretty solid team defensively. Of course, you do have Pickford, Pickford which is you know a problem. But um, I just I don't know how they're going to pan out uh, in this game against Scotland. I I could kind of see it going either way, which I know may sound silly, but who knows? I agree. Yeah, what do you guys think about Croatia? They're kind of having a little collapse there. Do you think it's the age? Do you think um, it's just their chemistry? Or what What could it possibly be? Well, uh, I'm going to go first, and then I'll let Zach give his opinion. But I think Croatia caught lightning in a bottle a little bit um, at the 2018 World Cup. Things came together. Modric was in his prime. You had other players giving you overperformances. Uh, this Croatia team now, I just don't think, has it. You're not getting enough out of your younger guys or Sitch being one of those guys that I look to to overperform and give a really solid offensive shift. A great player for Dynamo Zagreb. It's those guys that I think you need to count on for, you know, dynamic play and upset potential. And they're just they don't have that. They look flat. And you can't come out flat against that England team right now because they're just gonna fucking punish you with pace. And and foot skill, and you're you're never gonna get out from underneath them if they start to get on top. You got anything I, else to add, Zach? I don't really uh, watch as religiously as you do to provide that much insight. Yeah, but I think it lies in the the youth. I think people are still hyping up like guys like Modric and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I. Sorry, the, teams yeah, around them, the teams around them are just uh, progressing better. Yeah, of course. Talent-wise. Yeah, I think that's that's that you don't really need to read into it any more than that. Um, uh, a, a nation as big as England or as big as you know some of these other European countries, they're going to have a bigger player base to draw from, and and you know Croatia is a tiny little country um, on the coast of I think the Mediterranean or is it the Adriatic? I don't remember. 
But their player, the, the amount of players they can draw from is not huge. Two of your best players are Rakitic and Modric, and they're in their 30s at this point. So, with Perisic. Yeah, Perisic as well. He scored today. But, you know, those guys are old. And even their younger players are kind of old. So I just don't think... Um, I just don't think Croatia are really up to the task right now as much as they were in the 2018 World Cup. And I think um, we could still see them maybe pull through here. Maybe they'll get through if they get a result, another result. But I don't know. Yeah, Devil's advocate there with you about uh, the talent pool with like Czech Republic. They're finding success. Yeah, but do you think that they can actually... I think. Yeah, I th- I think that's fair, but do you do like do you actually think that they could what if they make it through, which it looks like they will, by the way? Um, yeah. Do you think that they could do anything in quarters? I I just don't, I have no idea. I haven't watched a ton of, the, of their games. At that point, yeah, that Schick guy has scored twice, right? Schick's been their guy. Yeah, they three, have, three. Have He's leading right now with three. I know they have Kufal and uh, Suchak. Suchak him there too. Yeah, yeah, we both. I heavily. In my predictions, didn't oh, had Czech Republic over. I oversighted them. It was just I thought dead last, like nothing to offer. But yeah, me too. They do have key players. I know Mourinho's loving Schick scoring because he's a Roma guy. Yep. Uh, and the Kufal Suchek West Ham linkage is doing well there too. So yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to be through um, unless catastrophe happens against England because there is a possibility where they get buried three four nil and Croatia buries Scotland and Croatia could finish in second giving Czech Republic a third entrance and they could play like a top team out of any of these groups. So um, it all depends on this England matchup coming up next, but uh, I definitely think England will win this game and put Scotland out of their misery. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Lead us on, Matt. All right. Group E, uh, a favorite for Evan here, especially after today's result. Uh, Sweden, Sweden, top of the group. Not a lot of people had that. Uh, four points, getting a draw against Spain and a win against Slovakia today, giving them uh, not as much pressure against Poland in a couple of days for their final matchup. Uh, Slovakia, though, second place, three points over Poland. Poland um, not doing very well this tournament, obviously all all the way on Lewandowski. Chesney uh, giving an own goal. I know Zach said that, um, living it up. And then Spain kind of doing exactly what Evan thought. They're they're cr- they're crumbling a little bit. They're, they're frauds. Relying, they're relying heavily on their possession game because in that first matchup they had a seventy five percent possession against Spain. I mean Sweden, sorry. And they just couldn't they couldn't pull the trigger. I know Marazza missed a sitter. Yep. Um, there were a couple does. other chances they had, but I think their main problem is defense. I think their defense is a little shaky. I don't think Laporte's gelled well with that group yet and they, they a lot of their guys over the years with their experience are gone now so it's a new regime in there uh, a lot of youth obviously we talked about england in the last um group having a lot of youth but these guys haven't really played in big matches yet to where they've had pressure on them like this so um I, spain plays poland next I, I believe they're tomorrow they play tomorrow so um they can catch poland off off their balance here and give themselves four points, which would be joint with, with uh, Sweden. Um, so it's a lot of speculation right now, but I'd, I'd say out of this group, Sweden's doing a phenomenal job with what they've got. Yeah. I thought that they would because they, they've have no other, they have no other choice. They have to play as a unit or else they can't get anything done because the individual skill level is just not as high. You have a lot of younger players. 
a lot of players that don't play together because they're all spread out across all the leagues. Um, so you have no choice but to play as a unit. Um, it's not like you can play amongst yourselves in these tiny little two-person groups. Um, that some of the other teams, you'll see that happen, right? You'll see like guys, guys that on the on the England team, guys that are familiar yep. with each other, kind of gel better as a unit in, in just these like smaller units. This Sweden team, you have to play as a collective unit, otherwise nothing's going to get done. And I think they did that at the 2018 World Cup, and they're doing it again here. That's why I predicted them um, to go to go through this group. Um, so it's good. It's good to see. They're obviously the team I'm rooting for. It's it's really nice. Forsberg looks great. You have guys like Ekdal, Berg, really really solid, um, very impressive. So uh, and, and about the the Spain thing. They're doing exactly what I thought they would. The days of David Silva, David Villa, Fernando Torres, guys like that they're, that are going to fucking stunt up top, those days are over. You know, you saw Pedri. Pedri looked like a deer in headlights. He was scared. These guys are young. They don't play together. They haven't played together. They're not ready. This, you know, 2008 Spain, that is a long time ago. We're, we're, true. we're looking at a totally different scene now. And I don't think Spain are going to be good for another 10 fucking years, dude. Like, I just, I just don't see, yeah, uh, un- unless some of these guys, Ansu Fati's is one that I can think of, unless you have guys like that that are going to come in and take on a leadership role, I just don't know. I don't know when it's going to be that they get good again. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, let me ask you a question. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that Ibra did not make it to the Euros this summer after coming out of retirement and getting injured? Why would it be a good thing? I love watching Zlatan play. Yeah, but I'm just say it's chemistry Evan, wise. Yeah, Evan, uh, all, wise, I mean, off I of know. Evan's point, I like, is. he's older, so I understand why. But I like watching uh, Isak up top for Sweden. Yeah, he's really good. Huh? He's, he's, you can tell he's got a lot of good potential. Yeah, I like what you mentioned about the whole unit thing. Yeah, yeah. I was going to mention that about England. That's a big edge they have over people that they are pretty much all in the same league yeah that's massive because it's kind of interchangeable because you the ebra effect is kind of the same as with portugal we're going to get to next with ronaldo yeah that that kind of iconic figure looming over the team where everything has to be about him and not about the team structure where sweden this tournament and also in, in the previous world cup they were a unit and they did very well, and they did well in the in the uh, World Cup, getting to the quarters. And now it's looking like if they play their cards right against um, Poland, they can get a top seed and get a favorable matchup in the knockout round. So yeah, that that's why I was asking the whole question. But yeah, like you said, it's always nice to get as many superstars in these tournaments as possible because that's more people that want to watch uh, because their favorite players in it. So yeah, I think the just to, to kind of round off that point, uh, the way I see it is you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? If you're going to yeah. play a guy like that, you're either going to you're either going to lose because you tried to shove the ball to him and you got exposed, or you're going to win because you got the ball to him and he did what he does best. So, you know, you're living and dying by the sword. Sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, Zlatan is older now. I think the chances of them forcing him the ball and him not doing what he used to be able to do with it um, are higher at this point than they would have been maybe, you know, eight, ten years ago. Well, they're certainly higher. Um, right. So I, 
honestly, I might, I might be leaning towards the fact that it might be a good thing that he's not at this tournament. Yeah, because it could be like Poland where they tried to force everything to Lewandowski and it just didn't work in their first match. So. Right, and everybody knows that. Like uh, Lewandowski is kind of a similar striker figure to Ibra. You know what he can do, and he can do some magical shit. So you know that you need to man-mark the shit out of him with two guys sometimes. And if you try and get him the ball, you're going to turn the ball over. And that's that's what's happened a lot to Poland. Yeah. All right. And the final group, uh, group of death. Uh, all these games, have only all these teams, I should say, have only played one match. So there's a lot, there's a lot that can happen. So we're just going to go based off of their first matches. Uh, we have Portugal leading the group. Uh, 1-3-0 over Hungary. That's pretty much what everybody thought. Uh, what we didn't think was in the fashion it happened. They didn't score until, I believe, the 82nd minute, but that was after Hungary scored, and it was a VAR offsides. But if that goal would have counted, that would have completely changed the scope of the game. But uh, it did not, and Portugal just had an onslaught of attack, which um, we we all thought was going to happen with the amount of talent they have going forward with uh, Jota, Jota, Bruno, and Ronaldo, just to name a few. Um, it, it was just too much for a team like Hungary. What did you, What do you guys think about the the way it went? The uh, uh, which which game? I'm sorry, I just got a fucking notification. The Portugal Hungary match with um, just the, the oh, amount that, of talent that have. sort of went the way that I thought it would. It took a while for Portugal to heat up. I was I was kind of expecting them to come out fucking flaming out the gate. Um, and they really didn't. So I thought that that was in kind of interesting, um, interesting result. Three three nils is what you would have expected, right? Um, of yeah. course, you know Penaldo getting on the score sheet with a penalty, um, but also Rafael Guerrero, uh, Dortmund mm-hmm. player, solid player, yep. um, good inclusion in the squad. Also a goal for him. And this team is actually just unbelievably solid. I didn't know yeah. Pepe was still playing. He's literally ninety years old. Yeah, <laughs> um, you you had Guerrero playing left back in this game and getting all the way up there. He's typically a left mid. Um, Ruben Diaz, amazing as we've said, we watched him all season. He's fantastic. Semedo, not so great this year for Wolves, but a very solid player nonetheless. And then you have guys like Danilo Carvalho is an absolute fucking monstrous tank in the middle of the field every time okay. he's on the pitch. And then, you know, you're going to get exactly what you expect out of Bruno Fernandes, Jota, and Ronaldo every game. Uh, Bernardo Silva, I thought, was a little flat, but I think that um, he he definitely plays like a more reduced role in this in this side. That kind of seems to be how he plays everywhere now. Same with City. Um, but he's going to give you a shift. So I, I thought this was a, a really good result for Portugal. Three nils is really what I would have expected. I just thought uh, it came really late. It was a, it was a super late onslaught of goals. Uh, from the 84th to the 92nd, there was three goals scored. You don't see that happen much. Yeah, Zach, I know you said that Portugal's probably one of your top picks to win the whole thing. Portugal is definitely my favorite in the tournament just because of the absolute onslaught up top they have the only problem is they they struggle to get go, to get going like you said against hungary but when they're going um there's not much you can really do yeah that's especially true. with an informer ronaldo yeah of course he's always a major factor and obviously he broke the the record for most goals in europe in european competition now with uh 11 in the tournament of all time 
Um, he'll probably get at least a couple more, especially uh, if they make it through the knockout round. But on the other side, we had probably a final-esque matchup, France versus Germany. Both teams currently in the top five uh, world rankings. Went went kind of how some people may have thought, but uh, a 1-0 win to France, very low-key. But a lot of problems for Germany. They could not break down that French defense. The de- French defense had pretty much an easy day. There wasn't much they could do uh, with all that pace in the back. But um, Germany, not. I think that was the first time Germany's ever lost an opener in the Euro in the Euros. Yep. Um, a lot of people said that, but I mean, if you open up against France, the reigning uh, world champions, I mean, there's not really much you can do. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I want to say about this game is Nabry at striker, chef's kiss, didn't didn't do absolutely anything. He did nothing. But, oh, it was cool. It's so cool to watch teams like this come out with their lineups because France and Germany are arguably the most talented football countries in the world right now. Um, yeah. Germany has a, a younger generation now. I can't believe Gosens actually was starting. That was really surprising to me. Um, I thought maybe you would see um, Leroy Sané, but apparently he has an attitude problem that they don't like, so I don't know. Um, But just just look at the lineups. I think that's the first thing you have to do. Um, I would have given the edge to France because I think that they're in the hotter international form right now, Um, and they they did come through here, but I wouldn't have expected it to be on on an own goal, especially from a guy like Hummels who's been playing that position for that, that international team for like probably 12 years now he's been playing for a really long time so i I wasn't necessarily expecting that uh but germany were flat they couldn't break down that back line you have veron who's arguably the best center back in the world um with kimbempe and hernandez and pavard who are both unreal and both get a ton of time at dortmund they know how or not dortmund Bayern. they know how these uh german guys play they play with muller they play with nabry they play with Kimmich. <laughs> they know what these guys are going to do before they do it. Um, and I think that that is a huge factor that we, we oh my God, my eyes are twitching, that we can't, um, can't leave unchecked. Yeah. Uh, Zach, do you think it's better? Because like a team like Germany, a lot of these players play in, the, in their own domestic leagues. Um, do you think it's good that a lot of that happens? Or do you think it's okay for like main, like the U.S.? Our main squad are pretty much all European-based. Do you think it's better to have home-soiled players, or do you think it's better if they go abroad? Uh, Evan mentioned earlier about all the England guys playing together. I think that's the edge that... Or, well, that's an edge that is very beneficial. Mm -hmm. But do you mean, like... What do you mean, like, where they play? Or where they're from? I think what I'm trying to get at is it's best when they all play together all year round Yeah, it's to build the chemistry because the international camps only last a few weeks, like right. one to two weeks before the tournament starts. And um, you, you mentioned the, the U.S. with that. They need a lot of training time to get used to playing with each other. Exactly. They're all spread out, and that's not their fault. You need to play in those top leagues. Yeah. yeah uh, it's, that's it's, why, that's it's why England's always it's fun to watch because we watch those guys play full seasons every year against each other and then watching them play together is pretty damn cool yeah yeah i'd say those english teams they play in a lot more competitions and the season's more stretched out whereas the mls is um from march to 
November with the whole playoff setup. If the playoffs weren't even a thing, the season would end in uh, September or October. So, and other than the regular season, they have the the MLS Cup, uh, kind of like our League Cup, and then recently teams get involved in the Concacaf Champions League. So, uh, I don't think they play as many games. Obviously, the competition isn't as up to that level. Um, it probably won't be for decades, which sucks. But that's what happens with new leagues. You have to establish yourselves and build the, build the foundations of good organizations. And I think the MLS is in that stage where obviously European countries are far ahead of us. Yeah. And it shows with the amount of money in the sport over there compared to here. Um Obviously, that's different because the MLS has a salary cap, whereas the Europeans do what the fuck they want. They have financial fair play, but it doesn't always work out. But at the end of the day, it turns out to be good matches, and you see the best of the best play against and with each other. So it's it's the yeah, pros and cons, but it ultimately works out best for the viewers. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. This group can go any way. It can work out. Uh, right now, I think Portugal could finish top. I mean, they're going to have an absolute slobber knocker against Germany tomorrow, which is going to be oh, yeah. awesome to watch. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people... Well, actually, I saw before the show, I think Portugal are plus 220, where Germany are the favorites, Whoa, plus 135. That is unbelievable I, to me. I might just hop back on FanDuel and take that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that might be a little <laughs> right goal. there. But... Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, one more thing, I guess, before we close out. Um Golden Boot, I've been asking a couple people like the past day or two, like right now, who would be your favorite to win the Golden Boot? Ronaldo. If I had to guess, yeah. it will probably Period. be Ronaldo because he already has two goals. Like that's the, having two goals already in two matches. Have they even played their second match yet? No, nope. he's gotten two and one. Yeah. So, I mean, that literally, that's that's all you need. Like, that's the Germany while. Yeah. Um, Although uh, Schick has three for Czech Republic, yeah, he does. Like going through. But you yeah, got to think how, not gonna... how far these teams are going to go. Yeah, like tournament. like Portugal, one hundred percent. I'd be willing to put my life that Portugal will wind up going further in the tournament than Czech Republic. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah it yeah. all depends on the draw and where they finish in the group. But my pick would be Lukaku. He's been looking oh, incredible true. going forward. He is so fast. He's in the he's best shape demon, of his dude. life. Yeah, I've been hearing he's on a new diet. He's he's slimmer. He's yeah. able to move past guys like he's so fucking fast and he's especially, an athlete, dude. Straight up, yeah. I'm and like, especially in uh, there's rumors, but they're just rumors. There's no way he's gonna come back. Yeah, if we get him back, that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be over, bro. But I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen to our attackers. We have too much. We got to get some people off the books dude, before we try sign. and get fucking Holland too. He's just gonna sign everyone. We we just signed. We just extended Giroud's contract for another year, which I don't understand. So Arsenal can't get him. It doesn't make sense because he wants to leave. So I, mean, I think to... it's he needs to go because he doesn't get that playing time that he deserves. Well, I mean, even this season, like he had he had eight to twelve goals this season in his role that he had. It's you incredible. give the man five minutes and he fucking scores. Like he did, he doesn't need much to work with. He's unreal. I I wish he would come back to Arsenal. I wish they'd offer him a contract. I don't care if he plays fifteen minutes a game. That's fine. He plays club captain. Fuck it. Um, yeah, we need it. Yeah, this year, yeah, he had. I'm looking here right now. He had 11. He had 11 goals this season in all competitions. So, yeah, and and six were in the Champions League. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess that caps off the the recap and 
what we thought for the Euros so far. Only 20 matches have been played out of a total of 51. Um, 45 total goals. Surprisingly, the most goals, when you break it down into 15-minute intervals, the 46th to 60th minute window has the most, with 11 goals being scored. Second most is 76 to 90th, when those legs are tired, with 10. So those are the top areas where teams score goals. But um, anything can happen in these games. But uh, as we're ending this episode, is uh, the England game is going to start. Is there anything that you guys want to close on? No, I actually, I have a, I have a feeling that Scotland's going to win, dude. Sir Alex oh, Ferguson yeah. is in the house. I'm convinced. Is he? Yeah, he's there. All right. If that went, I'm going to go for a draw. Yeah. I think it's going to be a draw. I'm going to think it's England win. Okay. I Ever think Scotland or draw. Yeah, Scotland or draw. I think that's the move. I'm going to go for a draw, and you're going to see uh, quite a bit of yellow cards. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably, very chippy. Probably it's going to be a very chippy game, definitely. Scotland's been wanting to get the respect they think is due. So uh, other than that, thank you guys so much for listening. Shorter episode, probably around the 30 to 40 minute mark. Um, But uh, check us out on our socials, at Post20Pod, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all of our streaming platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, Visual Watchers, hello there. Um, If you made it this far, thank you so much. Check out our YouTube channel, Post20Pod, or Post20, sorry. Uh, if you guys want, hit the subscribe button in that bottom right corner of the video. Hit the bell, notifies you whenever we post new episodes, or if we are going live for a stream. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But uh, other than that, thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you guys have a great week. Uh, and then other than that, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, see you guys. Yeah.